Hello and welcome to the First Day in Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, you are being graced by the voices of Logan and I again. We are back to give our takes. It's been a couple weeks since you've heard Logan and I giving takes. We've been pumping out a lot of interviews. You guys have been loving them. We've still got plenty more interviews with coaches, players coming. But Logan, how are we doing today, man? We're doing well. You know, it's going Hey, man, I know it's going well for me. I, uh, I've i been on the Syracuse Orange train for a minute, and I just want to take some time to gloat. You know, Syracuse was giving me some scares against teams like Virginia and Purdue, and they had their first real test of the season against NC State. And I know people are going to tell me, well, NC State's quarterback's out for the year. But you know what? You're not a top 15 team in the country if you don't have other players outside of your quarterback. And it didn't matter. Syracuse beat NC State 24 to 9. And that was overcoming some pretty bad quarterback play from Garrett Schrader throwing two picks in that game. Syracuse is going to get a real test, though, this upcoming weekend against Clemson. But I'm just here to say, man, the Orange are 6 and 0. They're bowl eligible. I, and I called it. I called this. So I had to gloat for a second. And I'm going to you know, kind of rub it in a little bit on you here. You've been pumping James Madison up. This was their first time being ranked in school history, first year in the FBS, and they played Georgia Southern, who Georgia Southern had already beaten Nebraska this year. They were the big reason Scott Frost got fired. And Georgia Southern did it to James Madison, man, beat them 45-38. You know, it wasn't without a good performance from – James Madison's quarterback, Centennial, threw for 468 yards, two touchdowns, but those three picks killed him. Do you think this is kind of the beginning of the end for James Madison and the season's going to unravel, or is this just a slip-up and they'll get right this weekend against Marshall? No, I mean, I earlier this week before Saturday, I said on TikTok that I was a little afraid of the road test that they were going to have going to Georgia Southern. Um, I didn't think they were still going to win. You know, I still had to hold true to it. But am I completely shocked? I mean, I saw it being a hard game for them. I, they, it was a back-and-forth battle. You can see it was a very offensive game. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, I think they, they're definitely going to be bowl eligible. James Madison is definitely going to pick up a win at some point in the rest of their schedule. But uh, the quarterback made too many errors. You know, three interceptions, you, it's hard to win a ball game when you have three interceptions on your own. But, I mean, just like they usually do, the passing and running game was, was really good. They had 270 yards rushing and 468 yards throwing. I mean, those are some crazy stats just alone. But back to your Syracuse Orange, do you feel any disrespect that my Wake Forest Deacons are still ranked higher than them? You know, I get the voters, you know, kind of hesitancy with Syracuse. You know, the difference between Syracuse and Wake Forest is the quarterback position. At Wake Forest, you got a guy like Sam Hartman who is – a very talented football player. We all know that Sam Hartman is a better quarterback than Garrett Schrader. My issue is, and I've had this issue with the voters for years, how do you put a team who has a loss ahead of a team who's undefeated? You know, I understand that Schrader has not played good at quarterback for Syracuse this year, but the one thing Syracuse has had this year is a rushing attack, and it's their, their rushing attack has led them to an undefeated season so far. I mean, I, I like I said, I get it. But I do feel like Syracuse deserves to be a little bit higher than 14, especially because there are teams ahead of them 
who have lost games. I mean, but we'll find out. You know, they get a noon kickoff. I mean, yeah, I mean, Wake Forest Clemson. has that loss. But it also came with a really tough battle against Clemson that was back and forth, and they could have won multiple times. And if you look at Wake Forest's games compared to Syracuse, I mean, Wake Forest has blown some teams out. Their offense has looked a lot better than Syracuse, who a few games has come down to the wire and just had to make the play. Um, I don't know. I, I like Syracuse. I like where Syracuse is at ranked wise. I, mean, I think it makes sense. Um, we'll see what they do this week. You know, if they come out and play hard against Clemson, um, I think they're still going to be ranked. Um, my, issue with, my issue with Wake Forest really is, you know, the Clemson loss, I'm going to give them. It was a double overtime loss. You know, I'm not going to hold that against them. And then, you know, they go on the road. They beat Florida State. Nice win. But if you look at the rest of the schedule, you beat Vanderbilt, which Vanderbilt's kind of been the laughing stock of Power 5 football for quite some time now. You beat Virginia Military Institute, which, you know, okay, congratulations. Um, but then you play Liberty at home, and you only beat Liberty by a point, which I know, you know, hey, early on in the year they didn't have Sam Hartman, whatever. You blow, you blow out Army, but that's about it. I mean, we're going to see. They get Boston College this weekend, who's not very good. Louisville is – that road game against Louisville next weekend could be a tough one for them because, like we've talked about with Louisville this year, you can't count Louisville out because of Malik Cunningham and his running ability. But I would just – I like I said, I'd like to see Syracuse have a little more respect. I want to put a little respect, though, on Georgia Southern's quarterback, man. I mean – we talked about how Georgia Southern beat James Madison 45-38. Well, they did that strictly because of the play of their quarterback, Kyle Van Treese, the senior out of Stowe, Ohio, had an absolute monster game. He goes 38-64 for 578 passing yards and four touchdowns. Huge, huge game for him, which helped them upset James Madison. So wanted to give a shout-out to him. I wanted to look at some of these other games as well because – there was a lot going on this weekend, you know, Utah beating USC at home in a very emotional game for Utah. They honored their two fallen teammates who both passed away this off season. So it was a huge, huge emotional game for them. They get the win 43, 42. And I think what, you know, the reason I highlight this game is because coming into this, a lot of people were saying USC sitting there at seven, if they can just make it through the PAC 12 undefeated, Hey, USC is going to sneak into the playoffs. Caleb Williams has uh, helped USC kind of mask how bad that defense is because Caleb Williams is just that good of a quarterback, but USC's defense is terrible. And it, USC would not beat Clemson, Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia. They would not hang with any of those teams right now. So kind of glad USC took a loss and we can move on from the, is USC a playoff team? Yeah, I mean, never never count on a special game. Um, Learned that the hard way at Ohio State when they were at Purdue a couple of years ago, that Tyler kid who had cancer. Um, yeah, special moments do happen, and that was one that I would have circled as I wouldn't have touched either betting or anything. I mean, that was Utah's game to win um, for every right reason. But kind of jump SEC, though. I feel like the SEC had the most action this week. Um, you had Ohio State out. Um on by and then you had a Michigan and Penn State but other than that the SEC kind of I feel like had the best games um how'd you feel about Kentucky kind of rebounding that Kentucky game was a bit of a shock to me because you know Kentucky had lost two straight they lost that close one against Ole Miss which you and I had kind of highlighted as one that you know you, you kind of we expected it 
But then to lose to South Carolina, I kind of felt like maybe the wheels were falling off for Kentucky, but they rebounded nicely against Mississippi State, and they did it in Kentucky fashion, and it was dominating defense. You know, the game, though, that I feel like we have to talk about, the elephant in the room, is the Alabama-Tennessee game. I have never cheered for Tennessee a day in my life. But I was the most diehard volunteer fan for those three hours, and they did not disappoint, man. I mean, there were times where I felt like they were going to let the game slip away. I felt like they gave Alabama too much time left on the clock. But thank you to Will Reichert, the Alabama kicker, for missing that field goal. And what a huge, you know, just win for Tennessee. I mean, their quarterback, Hendon Hooker, goes for 385, five touchdowns. They had... You know, absolutely great play from wide receiver Jalen Hyatt, who had six catches, 207 yards, and five touchdowns in this game. You know, this is not the same Alabama team we've seen in years past. Bryce Young is still the best quarterback in the country. He had 455 yards and two touchdowns. He is an amazing quarterback, but Alabama doesn't have the receivers they've had in years past. Their secondary is absolutely atrocious this year. And this is a huge win for Tennessee. One thing, though, that people need to keep in mind is Alabama is still poised to make it to the SEC championship game. I know they have to play teams like Mississippi State, LSU, Ole Miss, and then, of course, the rivalry game against Auburn. But if Alabama wins out, they'll be playing in the SEC championship game because Tennessee is on the east side of the SEC. So Tennessee and Georgia are one of those two teams is not going to make the SEC championship game. And Bama's still poised to make the championship game. And if Bama makes it to the SEC title game and wins the SEC title game, they're getting into the playoffs, even with this one loss to Tennessee. And I mean, it's the one loss. Um, you've seen teams with losses get in the playoffs, and this is one loss, you know. If Tennessee wins out, that it's, like, acceptable. It's like, yeah, you, you lost to the other better team. But um, I was at a wedding. You were not the most diehard fan. Because I was at the wedding, and as soon as he made that field goal, they started playing Rocky Top, and the entire place went nuts. Um, so I would have to argue that. But if you're a Tennessee fan right now, you just had this huge win against Alabama. Well, you kind of got to be looking ahead here. I mean, you have kind of a fluff game here. You got UT Martin next week. Should be no issue at all. Um, but then you got Kentucky at home, which is good. It's still going to be a challenge for them, um, even though I like Tennessee in that one. But then you got to go to Georgia. And if we know anything about big-time games in Georgia, that's probably going to be an 8 o'clock night game, the biggest game of all, and Georgia shows up. So I don't know how Tennessee is going to perform on the road. Um, LSU is really – LSU and Pitt are really the only away games that were kind of challenging that they had to go to, and those weren't even too big of challenges, even though the Pitt one was kind of rough. Um, so I think this team is kind of untested um, – away so it'd be interesting to see how they perform in georgia i mean you're 100 percent right if you look at their schedule they did have to go to pit which i mean is a tough environment to play i don't think anybody's gonna you know argue that but you know they got florida at home they were at lsu which i mean you can never discredit how tough it is to go play at lsu we saw lsu with a big win this weekend against florida but outside of that you know really the bama game part of what made you know, LSU, you know, Bama losing a little more acceptable too is because they were at Tennessee. And if you know anything about the SEC, when you're on the road, it's just that much harder to win. So you're 100% right. Going at Georgia is going to be just incredibly difficult. They're lucky to get Kentucky at home, but then they finish out the year against Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. 
if they get through Kentucky and Georgia, there's a good chance Tennessee is going to be the number one team in the country in three weeks if they can get through that stretch of games. And that's regardless of what Ohio State does. I know Ohio State was Mm -hmm. idle this weekend, but we know the voters love the SEC. So Tennessee is in a position right now. If they control their own destiny, they keep winning, man, they're going to be number one in the country. You talked about, you know, the SEC having some of the best games of the weekend. We can't ignore what went on in the Big 12 with TCU and Oklahoma State. 43-40, come from behind win for TCU and double overtime. They're 6-0. and They definitely control their own destiny in the Big 12. They get Kansas State at home this weekend. Then you got West Virginia, Texas Tech. And then look at that November 12th game against a 5-2 and Texas team at Texas. Texas beating Iowa State this weekend. And Texas gets Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and then TCU. Could we be looking at that November 12th TCU-Texas game as pretty much the who wins the Big 12 right there? Um, I mean, I would say so. Uh, Texas does have to play Oklahoma State this week, so I would hold off until after this week to determine that. And they also have to play at Kansas State. Um, so Texas does have a rough road to get to that game to stay – um, with those only two losses, um, a lot harder of a road than TCU does. So we'll see how Texas does on that. Um, but yeah, I was shocked. I, I saw Oklahoma State. I mean, they had, I thought they were comfortably leading that game um, halfway through, and I was like, all right, they're, they're going to do it. Um, so I was a little shocked to see that one. But staying in the Big 12, man, I did not expect West Virginia to pull a little to beat Baylor. Um, I would consider that a little bit of an upset. Um, but West Virginia is just one of those teams that, can just show up at any given day and win against anyone, honestly. Um, so watching that one was kind of fun to stay in the Big 12 regards. Oh, and most definitely, you know, with West Virginia, that win kind of showcased how important it was for West Virginia to bring in JT Daniels at quarterback. You know, the former Georgia Bulldog is now quarterback at West Virginia, and he, he showed up for him. He threw for 283 and a touchdown and a big win for them over Baylor. Baylor, you know, just a couple weeks ago was a top 15 team, but now they're sitting at three and three. Dave Veranda definitely got some work to do there. Looking at some of these other scores, Michigan surprising a lot of people blowing out Penn State 41-17. And it was, you know, the running game again. If you look, J.J. McCarthy only threw for 145 yards and an interception. But this time it's not Blake Corum who led them in rushing. It's Donovan Edwards with 16 carries for 173 yards and two touchdowns. Michigan's running game is just, it's elite, man. They ran for 418 yards and four touchdowns as a team. Very, very impressive day for Michigan and a 41-17 win. Looking at, you know, some of the other scores, Illinois keeps their stranglehold of the Big Ten West with a nice home win, 26-14 against Minnesota. Illinois 6-1 and one now, man. And we've talked about who's going to come out of the Big Ten West. And, you know, obviously the Big Ten East looks like it's going to be either Michigan or Ohio State. Illinois got a good shot, man. They go at Nebraska this weekend, who's 3-4. and four. You get Michigan State at home, who, you know, nice win for Michigan State this past weekend against Wisconsin. Then you go Purdue at home, which Purdue's 5-2, and two, and really the big one, where we're going to find out November 19th at Michigan. That could be a huge game. If Illinois goes into that game, the Michigan game sitting at 9-1, and one, I would say they're a shoe-in to win the Big Ten West at that point because they would end the year at Northwestern. So keep an eye on Illinois. 
looking at some of these other college scores, you know, it was a good game, good weekend of college football. Got to give a little shout out, shout out to Michael Penix Jr., the Washington quarterback. Washington improves to five and two on the year, beating Arizona 49-39. And Penix goes 36 of 44, 516 yards and four touchdowns. Big game for him. I want to talk a little bit about Clemson, man. Clemson was beaten up on Florida State, but Florida State made it close late. Clemson gets the win. 34 to 28 and the reason I highlight this is I'm just not sold on Clemson I'm not sold on Clemson at all I'm not saying Clemson won't win the ACC I think they're probably the best ACC team right now all around but I don't think Clemson can hang with Alabama Georgia Ohio State or Tennessee for that matter I, I I definitely think Clemson is getting too much love being ranked fourth in the country I would say Michigan probably would beat up on Clemson right now. Are you sold on Clemson, or do you think they might be a little bit of pretenders right now? No, they're um, they're definitely shaky. I'm not saying they're a bad team. Um, outside of our biased and once for our favorite SEC team, ACC teams to uh, win the conference this year, Clemson's definitely probably the favorite to win it um, by far. I would say, but they just they're not consistent enough. Um, and for a team that was supposed to have a really scary defense, they're they're letting up a lot more than people would expect. Um, their offense has kind of figured some things out from the beginning of the year, but definitely the guy I think that's carrying that team all the way around is Will Shipley. I mean, you watch Will Shipley play. The dude plays hard. He plays physical. He's not afraid. Um, I put him – him and Blake Corum are my favorite two running backs this year. Um, I know there's some other really, really good ones, but just watching those two play, they have the most heart, I feel like, um, when they go out and play. But I'm not 100% sold on Clemson. They still have a couple challenges down the road, so they could still mess one of these up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Florida State made it interesting. It was glad to see Florida State's not just rolling over and dying anymore um, like they have the past couple of years. You know, the last college game I wanted to highlight is this Stanford-Notre Dame game. Notre Dame with a bad loss, losing 16-14 to at home to Stanford. Notre Dame falls to three and three. And at one point we were talking about is Marcus Freeman, you know, going to keep his job. And then they rallied off a couple wins in a row against Cal and UNC and BYU. And we were like, Hey, you know, Marcus Freeman's right in the ship, but this offense really struggled against Stanford drew pine through for only 151 yards. I mean, it was an ugly game for Notre Dame offensively. They're going to probably win this weekend against UNLV, but then they have Syracuse on the road, home against Clemson. I mean, we could be looking at a four and five Notre Dame team ending the year with Navy, Boston College, and USC. Notre Dame, I mean, they're probably going to make a bowl game, but they're probably going to end up being six and six this year. Really, really, really ugly for Marcus Freeman in his first year. I want to switch gears. And look at these NFL games we watched yesterday, man, because there were some really surprising NFL scores. I'm not going to talk about the Thursday night snoozer that was the Commanders and Bears 12 to 7. Washington wins that game. The only thing I'm going to say is Justin Fields, I know that people are going to say he's got no talent. He's not throwing to anybody. I, the more I watch him, the more I feel confident in saying, Justin Fields should not be the Chicago Bears starter next year. If the Bears are in a position to take C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, you I, I think you sprint either of those picks in and you trade Justin Fields for whatever you can get for him. 
it looks ugly there in Chicago right now. I mean, all the way around looks ugly because I watched the second half of that game. And when Justin Fields isn't making a bad play and he's actually trying to make a good one, everyone – it's just like a default doesn't happen because he there's a couple times he rolled out of pocket. He made the good play for a first down, but, you know, just dings off his wide receiver's helmets because they can't catch. Um, so it's just like a double negative in Chicago right now. He can't get anything going. Even in himself, he's just not looking good at all. Um, no one's helping him out for sure. Um, so it's just a horrible situation in Chicago. Um, I would question maybe, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see two Ohio State quarterbacks sitting in the same QB room next year if they took Stroud. I think Chicago is going to win too many games to be able to take one of those guys unless they trade it up. Um, but yeah, that was a snooze fest. But one game I do want to highlight because I know we didn't do a preview reaction but this game I had circled as one that I favored as an upset you could say on the spread and that's the Falcons beating the 49ers I just circled that one I wasn't a fan of the 49ers 49ers just haven't looked as good as they um you would expect them this year um I know Jimmy G's back at quarterback and the Falcons have honestly looked horrible even though they're both they're both sitting at 500 now after that Falcons win but that's just one I had circled as an upset, and if I was going to put money on, it would have been Atlanta at home. You know, I can't figure Atlanta out because, you know, they traded Deion Jones earlier in the week to the Browns for a late-round pick, and Deion Jones, former multi-Pro Bowl linebacker, you know, it kind of felt like maybe Atlanta was saying, hey, we're going to tank a little bit here. You know, Marcus Mariota has not been very good for them. He threw for only about 150 yards in yesterday's game, but they keep winning football games, and I'm starting to think, you know, Atlanta – I don't know what the deal is with them. I I don't know what their plan is. You know, I kind of thought maybe they would tank a little bit. We'd see Desmond Ritter the second half of this year, and they'd be going for a high-round pick to try and get one of these quarterbacks, Stroud, you know, Bryce Young. I, I've heard people say they're in love with Will Levis, and Will Levis could be a top quarterback pick this year. But Atlanta just keeps kind of winning and keeps not keeping themselves in a top-10 pick position and they're doing it because they have an elite running game even with Cordero Patterson being on the IR right now I mean even Marcus I mean he's I mean his QBR rating for that game was 95.8 I mean he's not the best quarterback we know by far but he's able to go in there and can control the game I mean he threw 13 for 14 he only had one incompletion that game so that tells you they're definitely run heavy but he's able to make the plays um, I think that's the best game he's going to have all year by far. I can't see him repeating that again. But, yeah, just kind of – I don't know. It's a hard – I think they're stuck in that groove where they're they're too good to suck enough to get that high pick. But they're – and it just – I don't know. They're going to be in the cycle until they just make a trade or trade up or something like that. The other, you know, kind of game-managing quarterback I want to highlight, though, is uh, the guy that we're, you know, rooting for heavy on this show, Danny Dimes. The Baltimore Ravens should have won this game, but Daniel Jones says not so fast. The Giants improved to 5-1 and one in second place in the NFC East now, beating the Ravens 24-20. Jones goes 19-27, 173 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers, which if you know anything about Daniel Jones in his past seasons, he's turned the ball over a ton, whether it be interceptions. Really, Daniel Jones had a massive fumbling problem that he's really taking care of. You know, Saquon Barkley, another nice game, 83 yards and a touchdown. Jones is taking care of the football. 
the Giants are winning football games, man. They got the Jaguars this coming week. Then the Seahawks, Texans, Lions. If the Giants go three and one there, man, they're rolling into the Cowboys on November 24th with only two losses. I mean, this is a Giants team. Could they sneak into the playoffs this year? Um, correction, they have one loss. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, no, uh, I just continue to say Daniel Jones is going to get paid. He is a quarterback. He's not the elite quarterback of Lamar Jackson caliber or anyone. But, I mean, even guys, like, I just – I like listening to different guys analyze him. He Lamar Jackson doesn't analyze the defense like a normal quarterback. But Daniel Jones is now able to do that. He has a complimentary run game that he's been missing the last couple of years without Saquon. Um, he's not a guy that's going to carry that team by himself. He needs weapons. He needs other guys to give the ball to. He's not going to do it himself, but he's just, he's doing it now. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad it's paying off, but talk about another quarterback is getting done. I mean, the Jaguars, that's going to be a rough game. The Jaguars, they're not as bad as we thought they were at the beginning of the year. They're starting to roll through, um, a little bit right now. I know they took a loss against the Colts this week, um, but they were in it. I thought they were going to pull that one away. Um, and they just, they've had some dumb losses, but they, they've been in most of their games except a couple. But that Jaguars team is a sneaky two and four team. You know, they took a bad loss the week before to the Texans, 13 to six, but they were up 14 0 on an undefeated Philly team and ended up losing 29 21. And this loss yesterday to the Colts, 34-27, it took a record-setting day by Matt Ryan for the Colts to win that game. Matt Ryan broke an Indianapolis franchise record for completions in that game. He went 42 of 58 for 389 yards and three touchdowns. Michael Pittman Jr. had 13 catches for 134 yards. And it was a big win for that Indy offense to get to 3-2-1 and one in a wide-open AFC South. You know, this is why the Colts traded for Matt Ryan was to get this kind of offensive performance. So a huge win for them, you know, kind of highlight and continuing our theme of surprising wins. The New York Jets go into Lambeau and win 27 to 10. And you're going to look at these offensive stats and you're going to see Zach Wilson go in 10 of 18 for only 110 yards. But Brees Hall, the rookie running back at Iowa State, 20 carries, 116 yards and a touchdown. And I was actually watching the film on this game earlier today. And the one thing I took away was how dominant this Jets defense was, man. I mean, you, the defensive front with John Franklin Myers and Quinnen Williams getting a ton of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, never letting him get comfortable. He goes 26 of 41 for 246 and a touchdown. And the Jets defense stuffed this Green Bay running game. A.J. Dillon led the Packers in, care, in rushing with – 10 carries for 41 yards. So huge, huge win for the Jets to improve to four and two. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year, the Jets would be four and two. I mean, there's a good chance the Jets are going to be five and two after next week. They go to Denver. If the Jets are sitting at five and two going into a, you know, October 30th matchup with the Patriots, then the Bills, then the Patriots again, Jets are in a good chance here to be in playoff contention late in the season. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that game because um, I'm thinking back on some of the, our predictions previous season, and my Vikings pick to win the FC, NFC North is looking really good against your Packers pick right now. Um, Kirk Cousins is five and one, okay, five and one right now with the Vikings, and I mean I know the Dolphins are what they're on third string quarterback right now. Tua's out for who knows how long. Um, Bridgewater's out. 
but it's still an impressive win on the road, 24-16. They have no competition. There's no competition. Green Bay can't get their offense figured out. Um, the Bears are a joke. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're going to roll through this one easily, I think. I want to pump the brakes on the Vikings because I knew you were going to talk about it. Being 5-1, it's really impressive. And the next couple of weeks are kind of easy games. You got the Cardinals who are coming off a bad loss to the Seahawks yesterday, 19 to nine. And then you get the commanders who are two and four, but we all know that their win on Thursday was just an absolute joke. But the reason I say pump the brakes is yeah, they might be seven and one after those two games, but then you are at Buffalo and we're going to figure out how good the Vikings are when they go to Buffalo on November 13th. Then the following week, you get the Cowboys at home who should have Dak Prescott back by then. Then you get the Patriots at home, who we're kind of seeing. Maybe Bailey Zappi? Do we have a quarterback controversy in New England? We'll get into that in a second. But you get those games, and you get the Jets. Now, then you get the Lions at home, but you have the Colts, the Giants. It, there's going to be some L's coming up on this Viking schedule, but I want to get into this quarterback controversy. I saw it pitched by Rich Ornberg former NFL offensive lineman. He currently does color commentating for uh, San Diego State and does some stuff with Fox. And he talked about when he watches Bailey Zappi play, he keeps thinking about Mac Jones's trade value. You know, the Patriots beat the Browns 38-15 yesterday. Zappi goes 24-34 for 309 yards and two touchdowns. And people are starting to talk about, is Bailey Zappi a potential, you know, long-term NFL starter? The Patriots get the Bears at home this week, it's probably going to be a win. I mean, the Bears are bad, but I, what's your take on this? Is there a legitimate QB controversy, or do you think that Bailey Zappi is just a placeholder and this is still Mac Jones's team? I, I want to, you need to see more of them. I mean, it's been two, two games, right? We've seen them. Um, besides that, they just look like they're carbon copies of one another um, physically. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. If he keeps producing, it definitely – I mean, do you do you want Mac Jones back in or do you want to trade him? Or even if Mac Jones is still the guy, is happy now has a trade value of himself maybe um, a team might want to take a chance on. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I, it's too early to call on this one. I'm not quite opinionated on it just yet. I need to see some more of it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how he does against the Brown, or the Bears. Uh, here's my take on it, Zappy. You know, I know he got us to OT, and we ended up losing to the Packers when he came in in relief when Hoyer got hurt. And then you know his first career start, he did throw the pick, but it wasn't really a pick against the Lions. I mean, it hit Aguilar right in the hands, and Aguilar dropped it. And then he looked really, really good against the Browns. But here's my take: If you remember last year when Zach Wilson got hurt for the New York Jets. And Mike White mania, what did that last? About three weeks where Mike White comes in and the Jets beat the Bengals and Mike White looks absolutely amazing. Where's Mike White right now? When Zach Wilson was hurt to start the year, who did the Jets roll with at quarterback? It wasn't Mike White, it was Joe Flacco. So keep in mind, backup quarterbacks are supposed to be able to do this. If you remember years ago, you know, with the Green Bay Packers, Matt Flynn did this a couple of times. And Matt Flynn ended up parlaying it into a decent contract with the Seattle Seahawks. And Matt Flynn was supposed to be their starter. And it never happened because Matt Flynn was just a career backup who did some nice things when he was thrown in. But when Seattle drafted Russell Wilson in the middle rounds, 
it was quickly evident that Matt Flynn was just a career backup. So let's just pump the brakes on all the Bailey Zappi, you know, could this be a quarterback controversy? This is what backups are supposed to be able to do. They're supposed to be able to come in and provide you a few nice games, but we don't need to start a QB controversy when there's not one yet. I just got an update, though, on some breaking news, so let's break some breaking news on the podcast, man. This just in, Commander's quarterback Carson Wentz is out four to six weeks with a fractured right ring finger. So the Commander's offense that looks absolutely horrible just got even worse because their starter Carson Wentz is out. Could we see rookie fifth-round pick Sam Howell come in? I think they're going to get better. I think Taylor Heineke is going to come in and do better than Carson Wentz. Um, He's done it before. He's carried the team. He knows the offense really well. He's a proven guy. Um, he's, he's not going to blow anyone away. I don't think Sam Howell is going to get the start. I think Taylor Heineke is going to um, just because of his experience and his ability to control that offense. Um, so, no, so, I, no Sam Howell time. So, no Sam Howell time. You're rolling with Taylor Heineke. My take on this is could this be the last time that we saw Carson Wentz as a starting quarterback in the NFL? Because this injury – I'm telling you, if your prediction's correct and Taylor Heineke takes the job, I think you're 100% right. If they start Heineke, I feel like the offense is going to get better because Heineke doesn't make the boneheaded mistakes that Carson Wentz is prone to make. And I'm telling you, if the offense looks better under Heineke, when Wentz is back in four to six weeks, he's not getting the job back. And if you can't start, you know, the disaster that was the end of his career in Philly, the disaster that was his time in Indianapolis last year, and the disaster that's been his time in Washington so far, I think it's safe to say that Carson Wentz could end up being a Joe Flacco-esque quarterback if he continues in the NFL, and that is to say, you'll go, you'll be a backup, you'll get some starting time when the starter goes down, but this could be the end of Carson Wentz as a starter in the NFL Wanted to highlight, you know, the Bengals. Nice win, 30-26 to 26 against the Saints on the road. And the reason I highlight this game is because you sent me a text during it, and that is Andy Dalton, man. Andy Dalton didn't look that bad at times in this game. I know the stat line will kind of tell a different story. He ends up going 17-32 for 162 yards and a touchdown. But he kept the Saints in this game, and he kept them in the game by not turning the ball over. I'm starting to wonder if Jameis Winston is not going to be the quarterback when he comes back healthy and if the Saints will roll with Andy Dalton because he takes better care of the football. Do you think there could be a quarterback controversy down there in New Orleans? I think 100% there. I think, I mean, everyone has pretty much made it that there is um, a quarterback controversy. So I think so. I mean, neither Teddy Bridgewater or not Teddy Bridgewater, I'm sorry, uh, Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton have really – exploded on the scene and like show this huge offensive power, but there's definitely a difference in quarterback play and decision-making. And again, I mean, talking about backups, being able to come in and do it. I mean, Andy Dalton at this point in his career, this is exactly what he's supposed to come in and do. He's a second string quarterback. He's supposed to come in, have a pretty consistent day, not do anything crazy, but get him in position of maybe win the game with using the guys around him. But I mean, this is also a new one on the saints team who's missing their top two or three wide receivers right now. Olave, I think, was out for this game. You got Michael Thomas, who was out for this game. Uh, Jarvis Landry was out for this game. So you got your fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receiver, string wide receivers in there um, who didn't play hor- horrendous. Um, they showed that they had some talent in the depth-wise, but 
I mean, just imagine this game with Andy Dalton having that top three wide receivers. You know, the other team I wanted to highlight is, you know, another NFC South team, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. They go to Pittsburgh and lose 20 to 18. They fall to three and three. And, you know, this is a Pittsburgh team that Kenny Pickett went out with a concussion in this game, and they had to go back to Mitchell Trubisky. And all Trubisky did was go nine of 12 for 144 yards and a touchdown. And it's not like Pittsburgh's running game dominated. Najee Harris only had 14 carries for 42 yards to lead the Steelers in rushing. This is just a bad Tampa Bay offense. Tampa Bay's offense is not a playoff offense. If the Buccaneers, I mean, it's crazy to think, but the Buccaneers may not win the division if Atlanta keeps winning. Or if New Orleans can find a way to kind of write things defensively, this is a Tampa team that may not even make the playoffs this year. Yeah, no, it's just, I mean, we knew this from the start, though. You saw the list of injuries that they had on that offense, and you're just like, how are they ever going to do it? And it's just like, oh, Tom Brady's quarterback. Well, it's kind of proven that just Tom Brady himself isn't isn't able to do it by himself. He needs guys on that offense, on the offensive line to protect him. I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen that video of him absolutely screaming at his line. Um, So, I – It'd be funny if they don't win the division. I, I could see it happening. The Saints could get hot. Um, I don't think the Falcons will do it. I think the Saints are the biggest person in the way from the Buccaneers not winning the division. But I got a question for you, Toby. We're talking about backup quarterbacks here. Cowboys. If Dak Prescott wasn't getting paid what he was paid, and you had a guy like Cooper Rush who came in and has won you these games and has put you in the situation to win the division, would you put Dak back in? If you had asked me this before last night, I think we could talk about it. Because, you know, before yeah, last night, a little bit last night, but he, you know, Cooper Rush struggled. He won 18 to 38, 181 yards, a touchdown, and three picks. And a couple of those picks were downright ugly. But I think you you've hit on a point, and this is something that I, I think you you're onto something here. If you're an NFL franchise, what this season has shown you is do you need to pay good not elite quarterbacks you look at Dak and Dak got a huge bag when the Cowboys paid him and the reason I bring you know I I say this and I think you're on the money here is look at what these backups have done this year Bailey Zappi has won a couple games for New England Cooper Rush has kept the Cowboys in playoff contention you know I look at more of a team like the Arizona Cardinals and the Cardinals paid Kyler Murray a mountain of an amount of money to be two and four and only put up nine points yesterday against the Seattle Seahawks. And I say all this to say, I think guys like Lamar Jackson, I know everybody's saying, well, Lamar's about to get a bag because look at what guys like Josh Allen are doing. And Lamar's being great this year. The Ravens are three and three and are coming off some bad losses. I'm not so sure the Ravens are going to be quick to pay Lamar this huge sum of money after seeing what Kyler's doing and seeing that even with Lamar, they're still only three and three because there's quarterbacks out there that can do it at a fraction of the cost. And it would allow you, I mean, think about it. If you're telling me you could bring in a Teddy Bridgewater to throw for over 300 yards, and then you could save all the money you're saving on not paying a guy like Lamar, you can put into fixing the defense and getting pass catchers. Would you not at least entertain it? No, I mean, you definitely want to – it's definitely a question that you'd ask yourself if you're sitting down playing Madden franchise right now. I mean, 
do you fix the rest of the team or do you spend all this money on a quarterback? I mean, a quarterback like Josh Allen, I feel like is a mandatory. I mean, that Josh Allen is a proven elite quarterback, future Hall of Famer at this point, the way he's going. But he's able to win games inconsistently. He hasn't faltered at all um, at any point in the last couple of seasons. He's looked really good. Um, so I don't know. I just It was just a question. I mean, you know, they paid Dak all that money. And uh, what, two, three weeks ago, I mean, Dak, I mean, they're interviewing Dak. And he's like, I'm going to be trying to be back for the, that commander's game. And, well, you haven't heard of anything Dak since. I guarantee after this loss, though, you're going to start seeing Dak um, coming back soon. I feel like they might have been pushing it a little bit, you know, down the road just to see what Cooper Rush can do. Because, um, I mean, ultimately, you a Super Bowl is what you want to win, and you need the guy who's going to put you in the best uh, scenario to win that game. Or uh, here's what I'll say with the Dak Prescott injury. I think you're 100% right. I think they did hold him out a little longer. Uh, last night on the broadcast, they talked about how, you know, it was a four- to six-week timetable, and they were coming up on six weeks, and Dak was saying his grip was about an A, but he wanted it at an A+. And I think if they had to, they could have put Dak in a little sooner. But because Cooper Rush was playing so good, they kind of let Dak rest. You know, there's another offense I want to talk about a little bit, and that's the L.A. Rams, man. They beat the Panthers 24-10. to 10. But this was a back-and-forth game where the Rams needed a late push to win it, which is kind of sad considering – the Panthers were starting PJ Walker who got hurt in this game. And the Panthers ended up having to turn to former Washington Husky, Jacob Eason at quarterback at one point. So this was a very beat up Panther team. Um, and the Rams get more beat up. They lose starting left tackle, Joseph Noteboom. He's out for the year with a torn Achilles. That's a huge loss for an already bad Rams offense. And I say all this to say, I don't think the Rams are making the playoffs at this point. Their O-line is terrible, and because their O-line is so bad, they haven't been able to run the football. They're putting Cam Akers on the trade block at this point. Uh, this Rams offense is bad, and I'm not sure they're going to win the division, and that's saying something because they're in a pretty bad division this year. The Cardinals have been disappointing. The Seahawks have been surprising, but they're still not a good football team. And you've got the 49ers who are kind of in limbo as to whether or not they're good. I don't think the Rams make the playoffs, but I wanted to ask you, did you see the Robbie Anderson meltdown? I've seen a few things about Robbie Anderson this week, you know, um, especially – did you see that parking lot video? I, I did. I, I it, Following the blow-up, yes, yes. Um, I, I don't know, man. The Panthers team is just exploding. They're, that's one team you want to talk about starting from scratch. They're – I mean, they're really going to have to start from scratch. You fire your coach. Um, quarterback situation is exactly what you want it to be. Um I mean, anytime Jacob Eason has to come in and play as a starting quarterback, you know you're in some deep trouble. But, I mean, we begin the year, though, shift back to the Rams. If I would have told you this far in the season that the Rams and the Seahawks would have the same record, would you believe me? I would have laughed because the Seahawks on paper may have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. But, I, I mean, it just goes to show you, man, you know, offensive line talent is essential. And the Rams may have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. I just, I'm, I'm truly baffled by it. You know, we talked about Robbie Anderson. Did you see he got traded today? Robbie Anderson just got moved to the Arizona Cardinals. And that, I mean, nobody's shocked by this. When your head coach benches you and sends you to the locker room in the middle of a game, you're probably on your way out. The Cardinals bring in Robbie Anderson, who's still a very good wide receiver. 
and you know they traded for him and this is kind of some big news you know this offense is getting ready to get deandre hopkins back from suspension but they may have just lost marquise brown there's fear that brown suffered a potential season-ending injury in yesterday's game i'm more you know wanting to talk about the cardinals in the sense that is it time to fire cliff kingsbury is it time to move on from him as a head coach I mean, when I'm about them getting DeAndre Hopkins back and giving them all these wide receivers, I mean, yeah, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a game changer for sure. But it's not like that Cardinals offense doesn't have talent on it already. I mean, it has a very talented offense, in my opinion. He's got guys to throw the ball to. I mean, before Marquise went down, Marquise Brown is any other team wide receiver number one, you know, as he was last year for the Ravens. Um, But... I don't, I don't know, man. It, it's rough. You got Zach Ertz there. You got Rondell Moore. You got A.J. Green, who's towards the end of his career, but he's just still a veteran who can come in and do something for you. I mean, you add Rod, Robbie Anderson and DeAndre Hopkins to it. It looks like a really good offense, but I think it's kind of hitting around the – I mean, you hit it on the nail. I mean, there's a bigger issue at play than just padding that offense with talent, you know? I, I totally agree with you. I'm going to let you gloat here to end the episode we're gonna the last game we're gonna highlight i know you people are gonna ask us why aren't you talking about the sunday night football game the eagles and cowboys because i don't put much stock into it cooper rush came back down to earth played like a backup quarterback and the eagles got a nine point win talk to me when they meet up again with dak prescott quarterback in the cowboys i'm not putting much stock into the eagles winning but i'm gonna let you gloat man you told us at the beginning of the year josh allen was gonna be mvp you told us the Buffalo Bills were going to win the Super Bowl, and all they did was roll into Kansas City, beat the Chiefs 24-20, and the reason I'm going to let you gloat is because they did something nobody's been able to do, and they did something they couldn't do a year ago, and that was Patrick Mahomes had the football in the two-minute drill, chance to win the football game, and the Bills defense picked him off. So, gloat, tell us, tell us all about how great the Bills are. I think you forgot about the tar- part in the preview, too, where you said how this Bills defense – wasn't good enough for your liking, but they just held one of the best quarterbacks in the league to 20 points and shut him down in something that he's probably the best at, which is the two-minute drill. Um, yeah, no, I mean, dude, they're looking really good right now. They're five and one. They still got some interdivision play coming up after they play the Packers, which looks like no issue at all with how they've been playing. They got to go play the Jets at New York. Jets are losing. You know, Jets are four and two right now, but the Jets, mark my words, we're going to come back to this. Jets are going to drop some games that you might not predict. I can see the Broncos beating the Jets. We'll see how it goes. I see the Broncos beating the Jets. The Jets aren't going to finish as good as we might be making them out to be right now. But, no, the Bills are looking good. They're going to clinch a playoff spot early, early, early in this season. I don't see any, any teams that really scare me on here. Um, playing at Cincinnati towards the end of the year, that would be a tough one for them. Um, playing at Lambeau might be a rather hard one for a Thursday night football game. It'll be a tough one. Um, but other than that, they're, they're going to roll through. Only game that I'm going to disagree with you on is December 1st. On Prime Video, the Bills are at the Patriots. And the reason I bring that up is because Bill Belichick is always able to steal one game that he shouldn't have any business at all winning it'll be that one at new england 8 15 prime video thursday night they'll steal that game but i agree with you 
the Bills clearly are the class of the NFL right now. I know the Eagles are undefeated, but if you put the Bills and the Eagles on the same football field right now, I'm not sure it's even close. The Bills are clearly the best team in the NFL right now. And I gave you, I told you, Patriots, it's going to be a hard game. It's going to be closer than what you would think, but we'll see what happens, you know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's all we got for you guys, though. You know, we, I, I wanted to let Logan end the episode gloating since I started it gloating. But like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. We've got some big interviews coming up this week. Uh, definitely stay tuned to the episode. We're going to be dropping Wednesday. Big time interviews coming up. So until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one. Thank you.